Welcome to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners to what's happening in Israel and give you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here as always with co-host Alan Goldman. How you doing, Alan? Okie dokie. Okie dokie. All right. I, inv- I, found, I, heard, I learned a new term. <laughs> I'm doing Corona okay. I can't say I'm regular okay, but I'm Corona okay. Alan, we have a, uh, we're going to discuss Palestinian perspective on Israel's normalization with a very special guest. Alan, would you please introduce our honored guest? Yeah, our honored guest and colleague, uh, Firas Ahmad, who's an educator, a tour guide, an uh, uh, entrepreneur in the hotel industry, and has spoken to um, many, many, many of our students over the years, and also many other groups and tourists and people visiting Israel to get a perspective on, uh, from the Palestinian perspective, on politics and Israel and Palestinian society and all those. So um, he's our, our guy we like to turn to for, for Palestinian perspective. Um, and he's always uh, provides us with lots of insightful and, and interesting uh, uh, thoughts and a lot of wisdom. So, so how you doing, Firas? Uh, good to see you uh, both. Um, uh, I'm glad we're doing this. Uh, doing fine. Corona, okay. Yeah, we haven't seen. Right, <laughs> Corona, okay. Yeah, we haven't seen you in person in a while, yeah. but uh, that's the way it is. I yeah. hope so soon. Uh, can yes, inshallah. inshallah. Uh, do you th- could you give like a just a brief mini bio to explain? I, I, you know, I'm sure our listeners are, are probably interested in who you are, where you're from, and also why your English is so excellent. Uh, sure, I was, uh, I'm was. i a Jerusalemite. I was born here in the city. Uh, I'm about 47 years old. Uh, finished the last year of high school in North Carolina and then went on to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Got a degree in international studies and economics. I am married with two children. Uh, I run a hotel in uh, Jerusalem East. Um, I'm also uh, a tour guide. I enjoy uh, history. I enjoy talking about politics, but I'm no politician. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is me. That's that's pretty. That's pretty that's good. good. A little bit humble, yeah. if you ask me, because I think you're you're not just interested in history. I think you're you're very uh, well thought and and uh, articulate about your understanding of history. So, uh, you know, a little humble, but I think that was a pretty good uh, introduction overall. Now, I don't claim to represent so, every single Palestinian opinion. Uh, we're as divided as any other people, as Israelis, as Americans, uh, on different uh, issues. Yet there are some issues mm-hmm. that uh, uh, have consensus uh, among uh, Palestinians uh, as well. So I definitely don't... Mm-hmm. And, and- yes. Yeah, and we just like we don't represent all of Israel or yeah. Israelis. We're having a conversation. We're, we're inviting you into our teacher's lounge to have a little bit of a chat. But uh, I think what you're pointing out is very important. We each represent ourselves. We have our understanding of what other people think, but that's also our opinion. And we're just sharing our opinions. We're sitting around yes. having a chat. That's really all this is. Um, I, I wonder if you have... I, I think I'd like to just start with the with the basic question. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and Sudan normalizing diplomatic ties with the state of Israel? And I, and I'll and I'll frame the question specifically before Israel comes into any sort of negotiated peace with its 
with the local Arabs, the Palestinian Arabs. Yeah. Um, I think the normal uh, evolution of uh, uh, Israel in the region uh, is to be a normal part of the region uh, and not to be a pariah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, is to be part of the region, part of its development, part of its uh, uh, cooperation and uh, development. Um, so if we're just talking about uh, this one side of things, this is normal and this is good. However, uh, Israel has issues with uh, the Palestinians on the West Bank and in East Jerusalem. I'll start with myself. I live in East Jerusalem. I have a resident ID. I pay full taxes, income tax, dividend uh, tax, and uh, on my business and on my home, uh, municipal tax, what we call in Israel, I'm sure you're very familiar with it, the Arnona. Nobody's too excited mm -hmm. about it, uh, but people tolerate it if they get services. Now, we pay these uh, municipal taxes, the Arnona, but we don't get uh, uh, as much of the level of service accorded to Jerusalem West or uh, Tel Aviv or any other part of Israel. Um, then we have the, and we're about 320,000 here in East Jerusalem. Um, then we have the West Bank Palestinians, close to 4 million, uh, three, 3 million and a half. Um, they live under Israeli uh, occupation in what I consider cantons or reservation areas or ghettos that are surrounded by walls. Um, so Israel can uh, strike a deal with every single Arab country from Morocco to Yemen, but at the end of the day it will have to uh, come to terms uh, with the people it is ruling. Uh, does Israel want to institute uh, a dual legal system on the West Bank where uh, the minority illegal Israeli settlers that were only 125,000 back in uh, 1993 when Oslo was signed and now they are up to 750,000, a population that is privileged, enjoys Israeli civil law and political uh, yes, I'm including East Jerusalem, and including, uh, mm -hmm. and they they have political uh, representation versus uh, the larger Palestinian community that, between quotations, uh, enjoys Israeli military law. So uh, now we can ignore that the problem does not exist, hoping it would go away. Um, uh, but just uh, just because we ignore a problem, it doesn't mean it's going to go away. Uh, and these problems mm -hmm. need to be addressed. So it's quite irre irrelevant to me as a Palestinian if Israel makes business deals in the United Arab Emirates, a country that was not formed, that didn't exist as a country back in 1948 or 1967, has uh, shares no borders with Israel and has never been in uh, conflict with Israel. So to call it a peace treaty, uh, and the same applies with Bahrain, is quite misleading. A peace treaty applies to Jordan that shares a long border with Israel and fought three wars with Israel. It applies to Egypt, um, applies to Syria in the future, and applies to Iraq. Uh, but uh, when, when we're talking about the UAE, Bahrain, uh, and even Sudan, uh, in my view, Sudan was blackmailed into the deal uh, in a bid to lift Sudan's name off the uh, countries that uh, support and harbor uh, terrorists. Uh, and again, Sudan mm -hmm. has never 
been engaged in any hostile activity. Um, uh, Although it was technically at war with Israel, as opposed to UAE, which never was had a state was of technically war. But just mm, again that's yeah was yeah. technically at war. And Khartoum has the symbolically and symbolically t- Khartoum stood for right. There were the three no's were in the Khartoum conference yes, in sixty yes. seven. So symbolically, in, in, no, no, indeed, no, no recognition, yeah, no peace, and, no and negotiation. And coming up might be Morocco and Oman. Um, and again, mm-hmm. uh, it's irrelevant to us as Palestinians that at the end of the day, uh, there could be an Israeli embassy in every single Arab capital. But if Israel doesn't uh, come to terms with problems here, uh, with issues uh, uh, coming close to uh, a dual legal uh, uh, system applicable to two different ethnicities, which is one of the... Uh, uh, foundations of apartheid, uh, then I don't see a lasting uh, uh, peace and the lasting uh, a normal position for Israel in this region. So the what I the current thinking, let's say, in the Netanyahu government and and other governments for these agreements is to kind of break the stalemate with the Palestinians. In other words, it's not this, the, the idea is that not ignoring the Palestinians, but breaking the stalemate, the stalemate that's been, you know, created over the last, uh, let's say, 20 years or so, and that by hopefully making agreements with these Arab countries, we can come back and hopefully make agreements with the Palestinians. Or that they could even help bring the Palestinians to the table in a productive way to resolve the conflict. Well, I... No, no, I think the uh, idea behind uh, the Israeli government is to basically isolate the Palestinians. Uh, to say that there are bigger issues in the region than you, Palestinians. There's the Iranian uh, threat, there's economic cooperation and development, and that you, Palestinians, do not hold uh, the ace card uh, anymore. Uh, but in mm-hmm. reality, we do. They, uh, the Israeli government will have to deal with us at the end of the day, uh, unless... Uh, because you're here, you mean? Because, because we're you, here. You're, you're, you're right because here. Because we're here. Unless, yeah. unless the Israeli government is going to convince the world and the free world and the Western world uh, that discrimination, uh, institutionalized racism, uh, cantonization, uh, and putting people in ghettos behind walls is okay. Um, if the world uh, is convinced that this is uh, okay, then uh, hurrah. Uh, what can I say? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, but that still wouldn't. E, e, I mean, look, the 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 local problems, however you frame yeah. them, remain the local problems because if if the people aren't satisfied and there's millions of unsatisfied yeah. people, it kind of it, to a certain extent doesn't matter what the world thinks. It doesn't matter what Israel thinks. It's still a local well, issue. Well, uh, yeah, but it, it, it's a local issue, but it's on the international stage. Uh, you know, many Israelis would like to think that this is a local issue and uh, to discount uh, or to discredit the role of the United Nations, forgetting that it is the United Nations that created the state of Israel and forgetting the, the infamous European word uh, around World War I, which I don't like to use, but I think we need it for our listeners, where they called it the Jewish problem. Um, and the need to establish uh, a Jewish uh, state. Unfortunately, we were uh, the victims uh, of the solution uh, of this uh, problem. So, uh, pa- par excellence, this uh, conflict is not local. Uh, this conflict is 
uh, international. I mean, even China uh, with uh, Taiwan and, uh, uh, and other regions trying to say that, hey, it's just local, not succeed. And the, the issues over there are, uh, are quite uh, uh, international. Um, now, having said that, I, I believe that Arabs yeah. from, uh, you know, uh, uh, Arab populations from different Arab countries should come to Israel, should visit the West Bank, uh, should come to the Al-Aqsa Mosque, should interact with Palestinians. I believe that's always positive. Uh, but should normalize. I don't mind if the, with I, Israel. I don't mind if they normalize as long as there is a continuing peace process with the Palestinians, uh, because again we can we can um, pretend the problem doesn't exist. Okay, like some of my friends, you know, believe COVID is just does not exist. Okay, then they they got yeah. infected with COVID. Uh, so just because mm -hmm. somebody says there's no COVID and so on, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So just well, that's the problem with reality. Reality doesn't really care about my opinion. Yeah. So reality. just that somebody says there's no problem with the Palestinians, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So I mean, mm -hmm. so I think from the from the Isra I think from the Israeli side, um, certainly there's a big feeling, uh, you know that. For us, that there's not really a Palestinian leadership today that can that can bring um, you know a, an agreement, and that over the years when two-state solution has been on the table, um, that uh, that as much as you know Palestinian, especially you know Palestinian leadership that is that that has rejected and uh, and not brought it, so therefore. Um, same situation six today. So why should that also stunt and prevent us from more regional uh, agreements? Uh, well, uh, this is certainly one of the Israeli narratives that hey, we got nothing, uh, nobody to negotiate yeah. with. Uh, but this is uh, factually and historically and politically uh, incorrect. Uh, there is the uh, Palestine Liberation Organization that Israel signed uh, the Oslo Peace Treaty with, the Sharm el-Sheikh Accords, and others. Now, if we want to analyze uh, how come these, uh, how come the Oslo Treaty failed, from my narrative as a Palestinian, I could tell you, it's basically the fact that Israeli policy has been held captive by the pro-settlement lobby. Uh, it is a reality, and not an opinion, that set settlers have more than quadrupled in uh, numbers. Um, and that there is a big camp in Israel that uh, is not... That wasn't true in 2000. In 2000? We had, it wasn't quadrupled no, by no, 2000 after, when Arafat walked after, away from the table. After 2000. Now, we will talk about why he walked, right, that's why he walked out from the... That was 20 years but ago. I can, but you cannot deny that uh, after the assassination of Rabin... Uh, settlement activities uh, has uh, skyrocketed. And we can look at this record together. There is data on this in uh, mm -hmm. uh, another time. So basically, uh, there is a camp in Israel that uh, is simply not content uh, with uh, the state of Israel. They want something bigger. They want something that I don't know what it is. They call it the land of Israel. I can't really define what the land of Israel is. I can tell you what the state of Israel is. So at the end of the day, if they want to have sovereignty on everything 
from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean, which many of them define as this land of Israel, then what are they going to do with the sizable Palestinian population in the West Bank, in East Jerusalem, and in the Gaza Strip that are stateless, that do not have uh, passports, do not have citizenships? Are they willing to give them Israeli citizenships? Fine with me. I'll be, I'll so be the first in line. Arafat... Uh, so, Arafat walked away from Ali Barak in two thousand. One second. Yes. Yeah. Just, just want to clarify when you say when you say them, you're talking about what you, the settler political. I'm talking lobby, about the Likud party right? and its alliance. So when so when oh, Arafat okay. walked away from Ehud Barak, mm -hmm. the head of the Labor, yeah. Labor Party, mm -hmm. yeah, in two thousand, yeah. it was because in two thousand twenty, the Likud is holding all the cards in Israeli politics, and there are a lot of settlers in 2020? No, no. It doesn't uh, work like this. Um, it's I a, it's a good so. question, and I'll answer. You have to analyze. I know. You have to analyze. You have to I can throw you a curveball, Firas. I know you yeah. can handle it. <laughs> you have to analyze why. Uh, we have to analyze uh, why Arafat uh, turned down the deal. Now, in retrospect, uh, we all know that Arafat was under tremendous uh, pressure from uh, Clinton back then and Barack, uh, and I suspect the Europeans to sign a deal. And it was portrayed in the U.S. media that uh, Arafat was offered up to uh, 85% um, of the, uh, of the West Bank. Um, that actually was not correct. Uh, many settlements were to remain. Israel insisted on maintaining sovereignty over the Jordan Valley and sovereignty over uh, what we, what some people call the Temple Mount, which we call the Holy Sanctuary of the Al-Aqsa uh, Mosque. Uh, more important than these, and even uh, how do you say how do you say the Holy the Holy Haram Sanctuary? Haram, Haram al Sharif. Haram Sharif. Now, yeah. more important. I can never even, even right. more important than Haram Sharif, although it's quite important for us, uh, is the fact that Arafat was asked to sign uh, a document called the End uh, of All Claims. Now, these claims of Palestinians who were dispossessed, including you know private property, uh, lands, houses, uh, all the way from Jerusalem to Haifa and uh, so on, uh, mm -hmm. we are guaranteed compensation by the four Geneva Conventions. So it is not up to Arafat or any Palestinian leader to relinquish uh, our claims to uh, compensation. Uh, now, if, What people usually refer to as the right of return, the Palestinian right um, of return. The Palestinian... You don't like that no, term no. or... I think he's being no, no. more nuanced. I think he's more nuanced because you're saying compensation. Because you're not saying, is that what you're saying that everybody should, that people should be you know, compensated? Uh, had not not necessarily repatriated, but uh, had Oslo uh, had Oslo succeeded, there were negotiations on the right of return. Now Israel is a sovereign country. Uh, when we mm -hmm. discuss the right of return, I don't think any Palestinian negotiator had in mind uh, uh, a situation where one million Palestinians are going to move back to town, move back to Israel. That would definitely, uh, you know, upset the uh, voter uh, balance and that would put the... Uh, I mean, they said uh, that. Nobody ever, ever said that. Uh, when we're talking about negotiations... Okay. Um, they still say it. The right of return is a symbolic right. 
basically, mm-hmm. every Palestinian that lives in a country that holds diplomatic relations with the state of Israel, like Jordan, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, uh, Egypt, uh, like the United Arab Emirates, okay, uh, like Chile, we have half a million Palestinians over there, uh, has the right to apply mm-hmm. for residency Why is that, inside. By the way? I'm just uh, out of curiosity. I've never looked into that. I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Every is, Palestinian okay. who, who lives in Sorry. a country that has uh, diplomatic relations with Israel, the United States, uh, has the right to apply for resident permit and eventually to apply for uh, residency and citizenship in the state of Israel. Now, the bulk of the Palestinians who wish to return will be repatriated in the West Bank in the Palestinian state. And we have a lot of empty land in the West Bank. Unfortunately, it's been taken over by settlements and it's been designated as green areas and security areas by the Israeli uh, occupation authority and the army. Now, why are there so many Palestinians in Chile? It started in the 1890s, uh, the new world. Um, they started immigrating uh, there and now we have about half a million. Um, con- I mean, in, yeah, concentrated in Santiago. There are more Palestinians in South America, between Chile, El Salvador, uh, even uh, Panama, and of course Brazil, more than in North America. Mm-hmm. I guess like we have Jewish oh, wow. communities also across South America, Argentina, yeah. Brazil, mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. Um, so I just want to go back to you for a second. So what you're what you're saying, well, I, uh, Fira, can we clarify that that plan before you do. Can I just interrupt you one second, Alan? Yeah. That plan that you... Is that okay? You want to... Oh, go, go ahead, Alan. Go ahead. Yes, Alan. <laughs> Sorry. Like, whatever. Uh, no, I just want to clarify. So what you're understanding from the, per, from the Palestinian perspective, because when we hear... I'll tell you what we hear. When we hear from the Israeli side, the Palestinians say, right of return, that Palestinians want to go back to their original houses and they're holding the keys. That's how we hear it. Right? You're saying that... Palestinians have never meant it in a in a um, in a concrete way of going back to literal their houses. Way. That they understand that that's a symbolic thing, a literal way. Thank you, a literal way. But that that rather that's a symbolic thing, and that they're expecting compensation. And it's the issue of compensation, which uh, for each Palestinian. In other words, not compensation to a Palestinian government, but pal- uh, compensation to families. individual Palestinian families. Yeah. And when they say our family came from Haifa, we're going back to Haifa. Our family came from Yaffa, we're going back to you Yaffa. Know, if if money can solve uh, uh, problems, that's the easiest way to solve problems. Okay, um, I am talking uh, realistically uh, that uh, most Palestinians in the diaspora are well settled. The majority of Palestinians in the diaspora do not live in refugee camps. By the way even even those in Jordan. Uh, the problematic community is in Lebanon, where they face uh, rampant discrimination, economically, socially, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, politically. The number in Lebanon is about... Th- the Syrian refugees. Yeah. No, the Syrian... Uh, the, I'm talking about Palestinians. They're in Jordan I'm now, talking mostly. about Palestinian. Yeah, I'm saying Palestinians. Uh, Palestinians yeah, yeah. in Lebanon. But there were Palestinians. Now, the yeah. situation with the Palestinians in uh, Lebanon is that many of them are being accepted, by the way, in Scandinavian countries, okay, and in Canada, and they're going. Uh, But still, there is a population there of about 350,000. We want to be able to uh, uh, take in 
a big number of them on the West Bank. Now, when if if we think out of the box a little bit, just because the Palestinians say we all want the right of return and to hold the key and enter our house, that doesn't make it uh, mm-hmm. reality. Again, uh, mm-hmm. we don't want to portray Israel as a helpless country that's going to be overrun by Palestinians jumping the border. Okay? Um, I mean, this is a country with a defense alliance with the United States, with the European Union, and a country that has uh, serious military capabilities. Um, So, Mm -hmm. and we don't want to use this uh, issue of right of return as an obstacle and to add it to the whole narrative of uh, that we have nobody to negotiate with as an obstacle not to negotiate and technically to effect changes mm-hmm. on the ground and to basically swallow up more Palestinian land and in effect realize the one state solution um, that basically has within it uh, a uh, uh, disenfranchised uh, Palestinian population living in ghettos uh, within uh, high concrete walls, because that would be um, apartheid. I mean, there comes a day... Uh, I mean, what, what you're saying makes sense to me. I just don't know that that's Fatah's, the, the Fatah party's position. What you're saying makes sense as a negotiating position parties, to accomplish goals. The, the Fatah party's position uh, has and is still the two-state solution. It's international legitimacy. We don't want to forget about the mm-hmm. Security Council, about even U.S. foreign mm-hmm. policy, at least from the Reagan era, mm-hmm. that has called for a two-state solution. And I challenge anybody in Israel, and especially... Well, since the 60s, really. And I yeah. challenge anybody in Israel, and especially the Likud party, to come out clean in public and say, we support a Palestinian state. Because what they've been uh, doing on the ground by annexing land and talking about annexing the Jordan Valley, which is about 30% of the uh, West Bank, uh, well, they got a funny way of promoting the two-state solution. So, I mean, we need mm-hmm. to hit it on the nail, and it's good to talk about uh, uh, the right of return uh, and so on, but we don't want to use this as an obstacle. Um because the Palestinians can turn around. Who's we? Uh, we, us three, and people in general. Because the Palestinians. <laughs> because the Palestinians. No, no, I, I think that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I agree with you. Because we can. It shouldn't. We can turn yeah. around. We can turn around and say, "Hey, we're losing land. We're losing land. There's mm-hmm. uh, there are more settlers. Settler violence uh, and terrorism has uh, increased in the last uh, fifteen uh, years." Um, so, hey, we just don't want to negotiate. Uh, we'll just wait it out. Okay. Um, right. And we could say that, hey, we have no negotiating partner uh, with a corrupt uh, uh, prime minister uh, in Israel uh, who's facing uh, uh, corruption uh, uh, charges and who is basically he's indicted, indicted yeah. and he's uh, basically uh, a political opportunist. Um, so, Politics is very dynamic. Uh, Fatah is dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to see this dynamism, uh, dynamic situation with the Israeli government uh, that has unfortunately allowed itself to be held captive by this extreme uh, pro-settlement uh, lobby uh, in Israel. The settlers are a genie out of a bottle. They're out of control. They're armed. 
and uh, one needs to proceed with caution. So, so what you're saying is this is how, as a, as a let's say an optimistic view, this is how you think uh, a path could be cleared to rebegin meaningful negotiations, if both sides are willing to, let's say, uh, you know, give up on some. I guess sacred cows is probably the wrong word, but if both sides are willing to really be serious about negotiation, then these are resolvable issues. Well, I'm saying um, that this uh, conflict uh, is an international issue. We need to go back to international legitimacy. If we sit down and talk with the Israelis and we got the Americans as uh, mm -hmm. peace brokers, well, talking to the Americans mm -hmm. is like talking to Israel's defense attorneys. Okay? Mm -hmm. It's like talking to Israel's So would you be okay attorneys. with... The U.S. is not a... Would you be okay with... If, 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 if America wouldn't be the uh, dispute, you know, the, the, uh, the overseer, would you mm -hmm. be happy with now that Israel is normalizing with these Arab countries, maybe they could help be the brokers to help the Israelis and the Palestinians? That's an international um, approach. Sure, sure, absolutely. I would agree with the quartet, which is the European Union, uh, Russia, uh, the the United uh, States, and the UN. Okay, and, and I would add to that. But why do you prefer some that? Kind of, some kind of delegation from the Arab countries, and that would be really why, international. Why, why? But uh, keeping it to the Arab countries is not really uh, international. Uh, the Russians need to be in. The Americans need to be Why? in. The Europeans need to be in. Why? Why? I am for an international uh, conference. Why? Because decisions about this conflict has been made in the Security Council. The Security Council is not run by Arab countries. And in the General Assembly. The General Assembly includes other countries, many others, besides Arab countries. Having said that, uh, any Arab country uh, uh, to initiate uh, some new course uh, to revamp uh, the peace uh, uh, talks, I personally would welcome that. So you, you would prefer a broader international approach to the negotiation? But, but anything that moves things or, forward, you're saying? Mm -hmm. Anything that moves things uh, forward would be uh, yeah. welcome. But let's let's talk reality a little bit. In I mean, this is a discussion, so I'll ask you a question. Do you think the new yeah. course? Do you think the new course or whatever uh, gets moved uh, forward is it going to be along the two-state solution? Uh, I, you're asking my opinion, my assessment of Netanyahu, who seems to be holding on to his position as prime minister until uh, I don't know when. I don't think Netanyahu is serious about mm. moving that process forward, no. He sometimes okay. pays lip service so, to it, mm -hmm. but actions speak sure. louder than words. Sure. Sure. I mean, do you think today that the Likud uh, party and its uh, allies, do you think they still believe in the two-state solution? Or that they... have ever believed in the, the two states. That got a little choppy. Well, but I, I think, think that... Yeah, go ahead, yeah, but I, th 
I think I could. I, well, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that uh, from my opinion about Israelis, again, this is my own an anecdotal opinion of people that I interact with, which generally are to the right in the map and you know in the right and religious, is that I don't think people really think about it anymore. I don't think they're thinking okay. about the Palestinians, and that's that. You know that. In other words. It's like, it's a stalemate, okay, we're going in that direction. However, I do think that there was a point where 90s, a good chunk of Israel, even later, around mm-hmm. the you know Ehud Olmart time period, mm-hmm. where you have a broad spectrum of people on the right, not just uh, you know where uh, people were very serious about the two-state solution and thought it could work and thought it was really the only, the only solution. So I, so I say, I think there's different stages when what's happening in the world, I think... Ultimately, I think most Israelis think that that's probably the only way uh, to go. But I think, but again, they're not really thinking about it today at all because it seems to be not even on the on the table. So and I think we, we're in. A, I think mm-hmm. we're in. I think you're agreeing. We're in a. We're in a. We're in a deep, low moment in the course of that of settling these problems. I think like you said about Fatah, that they're flexible, that they would they would be able to respond to new initiatives. I think that's true of Israelis too. I think if the Israelis felt a sense, I think if Palestinians felt they could have a sense of peace with justice and Israelis felt they had a sense of peace with security, I think both sides would be willing to... I agree. On. I mean, maybe the way to go forward would be forget the word two-state solution. Maybe it could be... Uh, an enlarged autonomous area that uh, has uh, physical uh, connectivity, uh, not detached uh, mm-hmm. lands. Uh, we've got a lot of lands in Area C. Area C has about 80% of the water, as you all know, uh, out mm-hmm. on the uh, West Bank. Because the more Palestinians I talk to, what they're telling me is that, hey, what are you talking about, the two-state solution? It's looking like a slice of, uh, slice of Swiss cheese with all these settlements mm-hmm. dotting uh, the landscape. We just want to be able to work, move around, make money, uh, trade, mm-hmm. uh, be able to travel, and have some kind of predictable mm-hmm. uh, future. So many yeah. of them would even say, many, many of them w- would even say, fine, uh, Israeli sovereignty on the West Bank, give us Israeli passports, mm-hmm. just don't give us the right to vote. Mm-hmm. Give us the passports, mm-hmm. just don't give us the right to vote. And that's, that's quite revolutionary. Because that would be revolutionary. Now, and problematic. And problematic. Because that's not really democratic. Well, well what is democratic? Uh, again, um, of course, Israel would like to present itself as the uh, uh, only democracy in the Middle East. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure, well-meaning Israelis and uh, Jews in the diaspora would like to see Israel as being a pluralistic, uh, democratic uh, society. I believe that mm-hmm. from my Jewish friends uh, in the U.S. and in Canada and all around, but. There are facts on the ground that are inconsistent with democracy, and I keep basically saying it. Uh, it's that dual yeah. legal system uh, on the West Bank that mm-hmm. applies different set of rules yeah. apply to the settlers uh, and other set of rules apply yeah, I mean, to the Palestinians. 
Well, I'm just saying giving resident status to people without giving any of them the right to vote. I mean, you could have two, you know, a Palestinian autonomous self-rule region where they could become citizens in a Palestinian state that would be like a federation where Jews and Arabs could travel back and forth around each other's states. There, there are all sorts of ways to skin the cat if both sides are serious about resolving the problem and retaining democracy and sovereignty. And all yeah, and, and we have to admit that there has never been serious uh, inroads uh, with a with a with a peace treaty or negotiation track unless it came from outside. The Madrid conference came from the U.S. and came from the Europeans. The Oslo treaty came from the U.S. and came from the Europeans. Mm. If we if we leave it no, if yeah. we leave it to ourselves, I'm afraid we're not gonna uh, get to a deal. And I just can't say it enough and emphasize it enough. This conflict is international. I mean, we can sit here and say yeah. the United Nations does not apply, yet say that it applies when it comes to Bosnia, when it comes to uh, Burma, when it comes to uh, Nagorno-Karabakh in uh, Azerbaijan, the Armenian enclave, and so on and mm -hmm. so forth. But we can't pick and choose what we want this international uh, organization, which is imperfect, but it's what we mm -hmm. have. It's imperfect, mm -hmm. but it's what we have. But again, but you'd be, but, but anything that gets there, in other words, you, ideally you would like this international process, but if it's a more local process and it resolves the issues, at the end of the sure, day, whatever listen, gets to the resolution is what matters. Sure. If the if the Egyptians uh, uh, if the Egyptians tomorrow and the UAE yeah. go talk to the Israelis, uh, talk to the PLO, yeah. uh, and say, "Hey, we got this proposal," okay, and relay messages back and forth, it's not going to make me upset. Anything that gives Palestinians right. security gives Palestinians mm -hmm. security on the West Bank. Because I know we always concentrate on Israeli security, and that's important. But we forget that Palestinians mm -hmm. on the West Bank se face serious security concerns from armed settlers mm -hmm. and from the Israeli forces. I mean, we need to make these people secure as well. Because if they're not secure, the Israelis won't be secure, and vice versa. Um, to give mm -hmm. Palestinians security, to give them hope, to give them normalcy, the right to move, the right to earn a living, predictability, and live, predictability, and 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 to live a dignified life. I'm not gonna say no, mm -hmm. so right. I would right. I would exactly. I would uh, definitely be for it. I think the U.S. elections uh, might be a turning point if we ch see a change in the resident uh, of the uh, White House come November 3, by the time they count the ballots, uh, November 10, what have you, uh, they don't have to be all counted on November 3. You know that. It's not a law. Um, I know that. <laughs> I don't know if anybody explained that to the president. but uh, So it's not a law. Um, so yeah. I think a Biden uh, administration uh, will encourage international cooperation, including... Uh, international cooperation to tackle uh, the issues uh, between uh, Israelis and... Uh, um, I haven't given up hope. Um, this is also our country. Um, we will 
fight for it to be a just country. And remember, you know, we're talking now about the West Bank and the Gaza Strip and East Jerusalem, but you have an uphill battle for civil rights and political rights among the 22% population of the state of Israel, the Palestinian Israelis uh, that are about 1.7 million that are Israeli citizens, and they have an uphill civil rights struggle as well. And that is something that Israel needs to come to terms with. So again, Israel can strike a deal, to go back to your first question, can strike a deal with every single mm-hmm. Arab capital from uh, Morocco to Yemen, um, uh, but without Israel solving its problems uh, here uh, vis-a-vis uh, non-Jewish uh, citizens in Israel to start with, and the territories it occupies, Israel would still be uh, regarded uh, internationally um, as not such a normal country, if I should say. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Alan. So just, yeah, I'll just we're, make we're a final comment. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Make, I'll make a final comment so we could let that. Just that I think that um, on Friday is the Hebrew anniversary of the assassination of Yitzhak Rabin, the mm-hmm. Zichrono Levracha. Um, yes. So mentioning the Oslo process and all that, it's, uh, it's important to keep that in perspective. And I think that, it, in other words, that, that process began as a homegrown between Palestinians and Israelis. Yeah. But they recognized quickly that without the international um, framework and, you know, as we would say, stamp of approval then it would not really be able to move forward. So I think that there's a lot of uh, wisdom in that idea that, that you need an international um, framework when dealing with these very um, entrenched, entrenched uh, um, conflicts. So, yes, I agree, absolutely. Yeah, but ultimately it's the Israelis and the Palestinians who have to want it. Yeah. No, absolutely. Exactly. And I think, uh, again, right. with, the new, uh, with the U.S. elections, I think in uh, 2022 we will see some, uh, <laughs> some changes because we can all agree that this uh, situation on the ground, whether it's the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, uh, or even the status of East Jerusalemites, uh, is not sustainable. I mean, if we thought that it was sustainable, maybe we would not be having this conversation, correct? Yeah, I just don't know why, uh, you know, after eight years of the Obama administration, there was zero progress. I don't know why uh, uh, a Biden administration would make any more headway. I really do think it has to, you know, start well, locally. Things have changed. Things yeah. have changed. So. It could be. It could be I'm wrong. But that's, uh, yeah. look, it wouldn't no, be the uh, only Mike, thing we you disagree have a, you about, have a But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. You, you have a point. I mean, we yeah. need to analyze the, the political map in Israel. Okay. Um, uh, with the building of the uh, separation wall that many, many Palestinians call the apartheid wall, uh, it is correct mm-hmm. that many, many, many in Israel have said, hey, the Palestinian issue is contained. It's those people beyond the wall. It's like Game, mm-hmm. game of Thrones and the Wildings. I don't know if we have Game of, <laughs> game of Thrones fans listening, listening sure in. some do, yeah. Uh, okay, it's, it's, it's those people beyond the wall. As long as they're beyond mm-hmm. the wall, so I'm... I'm safe in Tel Aviv and Herzliya and Caesarea, okay, and uh, what I don't see is not going to hurt me. So I can keep ignoring that the problem exists and convince myself that it went away, okay? So that is a fact Well, uh, us, in, the, yeah. in the equation. And that's honestly, that's why, that's why 
I mean, other than enjoying your company, that's why we like to talk to you about these issues in particular. And that's why we ask you to speak to our students and now, you know, to our podcast listeners, because I do think, as Alan is saying, often, to a large extent, uh, you know, on the Israeli side, we tend to overlook it. And I think your voice, not only because you're bringing in history and insight, and not only because you have meaningful conversations that you you know that you, that you're listening you know it's a productive conversation but also because our listeners don't always hear voices from whether it, I don't want to call it your side of the wall because that's <laughs> you're making me nervous with your game of thrones analogy the, uh, the other but, side but, of the wall no I, I think I think yeah no I think I think we all we all grow and even if it means we're uncomfortable and we leave our comfort zone but we all have to hear each other so uh you know, in, I always yeah, thank you for for helping us to to you know to bring us your your thoughts and your insight. And even though, as you said, you speak for yourself, but you speak for yourself as a thoughtful person who's really considering these issues and looking for ways to resolve problems. So, thank you for your for helping us out and and uh, participating with us on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. It's uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And uh, hopefully we'll, uh, uh, we'll do it again. And I look forward to uh, next summer, as you say, when we could uh, meet up in person and have some coffee. Hopefully. Yeah. Inshallah. God willing. Yeah. Inshallah. And uh, thank you, Alan. Inshallah. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, and Alan. We don't have thank to you. sign off right now, but I'm going to stop the recording because that's the end of the episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.